Thanks for listening to Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. Sharing the success of veteran job seekers is one of my favorite things about this podcast. In today's show, I'm joined by Mike Farrell to discuss the success that he's had in sales since leaving the Marine Corps. Mike first discovered his passion for sales when he attended an Orion webinar that was focused on careers in sales. While this wasn't the type of career that he had envisioned for himself, he knew that he had the motivation, discipline, and leadership needed to succeed. Mike spent the rest of his free time in the military reading up on sales and planning his career move. After transitioning out of the military, Mike began a career with New Life Medical. With more than two years of professional growth and the success under his belt, Mike recently started a new career as part of BI Worldwide Salesforce. In this episode, we'll discuss what attracted Mike to a career in sales and learn what it takes to be successful. We'll also get a glimpse into a day in the life of his careers with both New Life and BI Worldwide. If you're motivated to start a career in a field that allows autonomy as well as compensation directly tied to your performance, you don't want to miss this episode. If you're listening to the show on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud, make sure you subscribe and share with a friend. We'd love to get your feedback, so if you have any questions or topics for future podcasts, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Hi, Mike. Welcome to the show today. Hi, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, you know, we talked, we have several podcasts where we talk about careers and sales and things like that, but with sales especially is one of those careers that when someone's leaving the military, it's not something they immediately think of themselves for to do. So I know we'll talk about that in more detail. What are some of the things that, you know, attracted you to a career in sales and some of the things that you've done since joining the companies that you've been at? But before we get into that, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, so I, I enlisted in the uh, Marine Corps in 2006. I was actually uh, stationed at Marine Helicopter Squadron 1 for only about six months. So after I was done with my training uh, and I was stationed there, I was simultaneously applying for what's called a ROTC scholarship, or in this case, a Marine Option Navy Reserve Officer Training Corps scholarship. Uh, and I was finally awarded that scholarship. So after about a year of active duty, I left to go back to Penn State uh, on that scholarship through the ROTC program. And uh, I graduated in 2011, where I kind of went back into the Marine Corps as an officer and spent another four years there. Awesome. And so when you were transitioning out of the Marine Corps, did you look for a job on your own or did you immediately connect with Orion? And how did you come to start working with Orion? So I actually, I believe it was through LinkedIn. A recruiter had reached out to me and uh, kind of introduced himself. And then he mentioned one of Brian Henry's sales webinars at the time was the, uh, I believe, VP of Operations or VP of Sales for Orion. And uh, the webinar was basically based around, uh, you know, why would military veterans transition be a good fit for sales? And what is sales and what is, what is it not? And it kind of explained the stigmas around it, kind of some of the connotations that are associated with sales. And he kind of explained why it would be a good fit for transitioning veterans. And um, that's how our relationship kind of started. I reached out to him. And I started meeting with uh, the recruiter to get my resume ready. And this was probably about one year prior to transitioning. Very cool. Yeah, and Brian does a good job of that. We actually have a podcast um, with Brian talking about careers in sales. So it's probably similar to the webinar that you attended. So I mean, that's good to know that the information that he presented is, you know, something that's going to persuade someone to pursue a career in sales. So what were some of the main drivers in your career search when you were leaving active duty? 
Yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed, first of all, my, my time in the, in the military. There are certainly, certainly parts of it that, uh, you know, that, that I do miss. But my main drivers for uh, deciding to eventually transition were that I really wanted to be rewarded for my work. I wanted to be part of a truly merit-based organization where I felt like uh, longevity was not as important as performance. And I feel like I wanted to be rewarded for that performance. So, um, you know, coming out of a, a government job, really, where the hours are essentially mandated, you could be a certain place, certain time. I wanted a position that really wasn't based on necessarily the hours or the time you put in, but based on the results you produce or the return on investment you produce for the company. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest drivers in sales is that not everyone there. You know, not everyone wants that. Not everyone wants to be compensated based on their performance. There are people that kind of do like more of a um, status quo, they know what to expect with a, a type of job like the government or even any other type of role that's not commission-based or anything like that. So, but there are obviously individuals like you who typically are a top performer and you are seeking something that is going to pay you as such. So if you've got the drive to do a little bit more, um, push harder, you know, and you're very metrics oriented, then I think a role in sales is perfect for someone like that. Right, and that's kind of what, what drove me towards it is that um, you know a lot of people see that as kind of a risk, but for me, that's I wasn't inter- in, as interested in the stability. I was really interested in kind of placing a bet on myself, so to speak, and betting on my own success with the track record that I've had, and then transitioning it to a career in sales, and that's what kind of attracted me to it. I was on uh, deployment in 2014 to Afghanistan for most of that year in support operation during Freedom uh, Phase One and Phase Two of 2014. And I started to read a ton of books on sales. Um, so that's really what kind of drove me to it. And then I read some other books that were kind of advocating for the realization of a recruiting firm um, to overcome some of the obstacles that, that face veterans that are transitioning and how do you convince an organization to hire you when you work for an organization, uh, you know, being the military that encouraged, you know, spending of the annual per, uh, budget and uh, was essentially a nonprofit organization with a focus on war fighting, especially in the Marine Corps. Um, so the goal being to change that conversation to transferable skills and, um, you know, this, this is a conversation that kind of Orion helped me to create, specifically um, placing a focus on how to change this conversation surrounding a transition into a sales role and why that would be a good fit for some veterans. Mm-hmm. Did you have any apprehension when thinking about pursuing a career in sales versus something that maybe was a little bit closer to what you did in the military, or was, were you pretty confident based on your past success that that would be a good fit for you? Uh, I honestly wasn't sure, but it was it was early enough. It was probably about a year, maybe even two years before transitioning, that I sat through the webinar, and it, it kind of goes through from a very um, you know overhead view of what people think of sales. Uh, mm-hmm. I think people think usually of used car salesmen, or they think of telemarketers, and it really paints the picture around um, the different levels. There's entry level sales, and then there's more sophisticated and professional level sales where you're really problem solving. You're not necessarily pushing a product or, um, you know, or acting in a, in a certain way that people associate with the negative connotations of sales. But mm-hmm. it kind of uh, it kind of paints a picture for the transferable skills for veterans to include, you know, problem solving and leadership and, and how that kind of applies to it. I think the webinar did a pretty good job of painting that picture, uh, you know, to make it applicable to a lot of a lot of veterans that are transitioning. Yeah, and I think that the way that you just described that, I really like that about problem solving rather than pushing a product. And I think that 
people that have that view on it, sales reps that have that view, are likely to be a lot more successful than those that are pushing a product because your customers can smell that from a mile away. They know if you're just trying to push something on them or if it's something that you genuinely believe can help them. And so that viewpoint, I'm sure, not only helped you decide to kind of go into a career in sales, but also helped you to be successful now that you're in a sales career. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Tell me a little bit more about your first post-military career, because I know Ryan placed you at New Life Medical, and I know that you're no longer there, but that you had a really good experience there. So I want to talk a little bit more about that. So what was the position that you were hired into initially? Sure. I was hired into an account manager role, which is a sales positioning, and that was a territory on Long Island, but that eventually expanded into all five boroughs of New York City. So I was there for about uh, three years. Um, I was able to kind of jump into a really, you know, uh, small territory. We were probably taking about 25 patients a month. And uh, within the first year, I was kind of given a lot of autonomy, a lot of independence to go and bring on new business and, um, you know, maintain some existing, but mostly bring on new business. And we were pretty successful. So in 2015, um, we increased volume about 300% in the area. Uh, we generated a lot of new business and um, kind of a lot going on, so much so that it demanded the hiring of new employees. Uh, and the following two years, we still increased volume 30% year over year, probably year two. Um, we expanded the territory at that point into five boroughs. We hired three new employees to meet the demand um, for, for the amount of prescriptions that were coming through or the amount of volume that was being produced. And then finally, in my last year there, we were still growing at about uh, 48% year over year in a territory. And just to put that in perspective, the rest of the company was growing at about 16%. So it was definitely a tremendous opportunity to, um, you know, be autonomous. It was performance driven, mm -hmm. very independent. I was able to make my own hours and get paid for the results that I was producing. Uh, it was commission based, but that's not to say that there was, you know, no base salary involved, but it was definitely, um, you know, more so worth, worth your time if you can get better on your own success and, and drive the volume and kind of meet the quotas and the, the goals that you set for yourself and that the company, the company kind of helped me to set. So um, in the account manager role, what did a typical day like look like for you? It was mostly field time. So our, our company was based in Manchester, New Hampshire. Um, so it was mostly being out on the road, making anywhere between five and 10 to 12 stops a day, visiting orthopedic surgeons, epidiatrists, um, and kind of talking to them about their post-operative needs for their patients. So we would help them, uh, their patients recover from surgery by delivering medical equipment to the homes. And that was actually, um, that role was actually covered by another physician. So as the account manager, you focus on the sales and the problem solving finding out what physicians want for their patients post-operatively. And then when you generate those orders via prescriptions, the company from an operational standpoint was able to meet those needs by having other employees deliver equipment that was mentioned to their patients for the duration of their recovery. And then those same employees also pick them up. So you're basically measured on how many accounts you can have, uh, you know, using your care. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I think you may have mentioned this, but how long did you say that you were in that role with New Life? I was there about three years. Okay. Almost awesome. Now I know the expansion of your territory seems um, pretty impressive from what you described. Are there any other key accomplishments that you had there? Anything that um, you know you were just really proud of from your time there? Well, I was just proud to say that you know the majority of the business that we were doing at that point was not only three and, and at, at times four times the volume that we we're doing when I arrived, but it was all it was all new business. So um, you know it was it was all kind of generated by. Accounts that hadn't been called on or accounts that we kind of took from the competition, which is always great. 
And um, I kind of left a really good um, territory for somebody else to step into uh, that wasn't necessarily my shoes. So whoever was certainly hopping into that position, you know, now probably has much larger expectations. But, um, you know, we're, we're also doing four times the business now than we were when I first started there. So I was pretty proud of that. Yeah, that is really awesome. And it sounds like your first post-military career really gave you um, the opportunity to learn a lot and really grow your business and grow in a sales role and just kind of understand more of, you know, what makes a good sales rep, things that you shouldn't do, and just really gave you a lot of hands-on experience there. So is that kind of your favorite thing about it was just all of the experience that you gained, or was there something else that you enjoyed about that being your first post-military career? I mean, I, I would agree that the experience there was, was invaluable. I think that was, uh, you know, it can be definitely a, a scary time transitioning from the military and finding out how you're going to transition your skills and interview, and uh, in this case, essentially gain a, a foothold in a company uh, from a sales standpoint with, with no official sales experience. I mean, you can certainly articulate those skills to the company on how you can sell, how you've problem solved in the past, how you've presented or convinced, you know, superiors or peers about an idea that you had that's essentially what, it, what a sale is. But I think that that experience that I gained there, uh, without that, I would have never been hired for the position I'm currently in now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's perfect transition because I do want to talk about your current career. So I know that you are now with um, BI Worldwide. So what was it that attracted you to um, BI Worldwide? Uh, it was just a much larger opportunity. It was, um, it's a company that does business-to-business sales. We call on Fortune 100, Fortune 500, Global 2000 companies, um, kind of on a global scale. It is divided by territory as to where decisions are made, of course, but the companies we call on have 10,000 or more employees or do $1 billion or more in sales. Um, so it's a larger opportunity financially uh, from a personal standpoint, but also it's much more complicated in nature as far as uh, sales goes. So it's less transactional. There's no quotas. It's, uh, it's larger companies and larger opportunity. And uh, it's a relatively small sales force still compared to the size of the company. So I think 100, 120 employees that are selling uh, as a 2,000 employee company basically doing about $700 million in sales annually in I think it's up to 180 countries so it's mm-hmm. definitely a you know much much larger jump and what I like about it is it really is more challenger selling uh, challenging the status quo and getting businesses to think differently about how they're currently conducting business or how they're currently generating their their ROIs. Yeah and it sounds like you're doing something you know it's still sales but in terms of the product services like it's completely different from what you were doing at New Life but do you feel like the skills that you gained and the experience that you gained working there do you feel like because it's in sales it's still directly transferable and that it's helped you in your current career absolutely it's um you know you're still no matter how large the sale is you're you're still going to be in front of people kind of articulating an idea um you know kind of getting people to think about uh the way they're solving their problems differently and then of course offering a solution um you know for a more for a more um you know, a, a more uh, total solution surrounding that. So mm-hmm. it's uh, the sales, I would say, are, are no different. It's a longer sales process or longer sales cycle in total. It's a much larger opportunity, but the, the fundamentals are, are really no different. And uh, without having a three years experience um, that I had at New Life Med in between the Marine Corps and what I'm doing now, I don't think that transition would have occurred, you know, very smoothly. Frankly, I, I don't think I would be qualified for this now. 
Yeah. So um, just in terms of, you know, the day-to-day, so we talked a little bit about what your day-to-day was like at New Life. Is it kind of the same here at BI where you're doing a lot of on-the-road meeting face-to-face with clients, or is it a little bit more desk work or about the same? Uh, This is definitely more, um, it's less autonomous. So, I mean, it's not as independently operating, but I was prepared to trade, trade that off for the opportunity. And I knew that going forward, this is a position that's far more complex. It requires more mentorship and more teamwork um, from that standpoint, just because the the network that you need and the connection you need to make in order to kind of break through some of these Fortune 100 and Global 2000 companies is uh, extremely time-consuming. It's far more complex to get responses to emails or LinkedIn connections or even you know visits. So before it was, a, it was kind of a customer-facing industry. We can walk into physicians' offices and call on them. Um, not so much on the Fortune 100 and Global 2000 standpoint. You really can't walk into, let's say, uh, you know, a Pfizer or some of these larger companies and expect to get a meeting. Like you're not going to get past, you know, the doorman. So it, it is far more uh, complex. And um, I'm probably spending, you know, a lot more time in the office now than I was in the field. But obviously, the goal is to transition more to field time and going on appointments. Uh, you know, more so than than sitting behind a desk. That's not the intent, but it mm-hmm. certainly means to that. Yeah, well, it sounds like you're excited about this role with BI Worldwide. Is there one thing that sticks out to you the most about the opportunity there that you're most excited about? Yeah, as I mentioned, it's definitely more consultative selling. It's um, it's really focusing on behavioral economics. It's kind of measuring how employees or customers um, behave and then how to kind of change that behavior for a greater outcome and assist companies in, you know, in generating ROI. So I would say it's still... It's not unlike the way that the Marine Corps operated. You know, you're still, uh, as a leader, still motivating employees to perform. But in this case, you're producing measurable results that are engaging customers, employees, instead of service members and Marines. Um, mm-hmm. But to produce, you know, an incremental ROI. Uh, and that's kind of their, their mission accomplishment. So it's not so different in that sense. But um, it's definitely a much larger opportunity, you know, to help companies uh, improve their business model and, and make life-changing money doing it. Yeah, that's good to hear. Now, I know that you mentioned before when you were at New Life that really with the expansion of your territory that you guys were constantly hiring new people in order to keep up with that business. So were you in a position when you were there that you were actually a influencer in the hiring? Definitely. Um, okay. You know, it was it was really a product of a remotely operating company. So because our headquarters was in Manchester, New Hampshire, and we were operating in a territory uh, in New York and on Long Island. We were certainly, you know, um, put in a position where you really want to meet and hopefully bring in some referrals for people that you're going to be working with because mm-hmm. you have a vested interest in what they do. So, for example, when I was first started, I was delivering my own equipment. I was picking it up from patients. And by the time I was ready to transition a couple months back, we had five people uh, operating in that position, many of which were service members and, uh, in fact, Marines. So I was kind of fortunate enough to be in that position to have an influence over who we hired or at least put my vote in because that, I had a vested interest in what they do. So although they, they didn't directly report to me, they reported to the operations manager uh, on that side of the equation. I still, of course, on the sales end, had a vested interest in in the customer service they provided and uh, the efficiency in which they kind of um, acted on the orders I was creating. Yeah, so since you had some influence over the hiring, was it important for you to seek out individuals with military experience? Absolutely. I think the company has kind of formed their business model around that having been founded by two West Point classmates, um, and then made a point to really hire a lot of veterans in their sales force, 
uh, and, and I would say across the board, uh, not just Marines, but lots of uh, lots of Army, a couple of Navy guys, Air Force, et cetera. So I think they did a great job in really seeing this value um, in, in veterans in their company. Yeah, that's good to know. I didn't know that about um, the founders. So that's awesome. It sounds like for them, it must be a big priority. And I'm sure that that's what's appealing to other veterans about going to work there because you kind of feel like you have a little bit of the camaraderie that you had in the military. So it's not like you're transitioning into the civilian workforce and nobody understands your background. You probably feel very well supported there. Right. Yeah, I would I would definitely. And I would hope that other companies are kind of uh, creating the same environment or fostering the same environment. and. I thought New Life did a great job with that. It was a lot of, um, you know, it was a lot of innovative people that were kind of coming out of the military looking for the same uh, transition for the same reasons. And uh, it was kind of nice to have that, you know, cadre of individuals that existed within the organization. So mm-hmm. it, was, uh, it was nice to see that they had been where, where I had been previously. Yeah, so it sounds like you probably didn't have to influence many other of the decision makers on why they should hire veterans because it seems like they were already committed to that. But if you know, now knowing what you know about veterans being successful in sales roles, especially based on your own success, is there any advice that you would give to a hiring manager that's considering hiring a veteran in a sales role, but they're not sure if they have those, um, if they have the applicable skills that would be required to succeed? Yeah, I would, I would definitely encourage hiring managers to also look less at the bigger political picture surrounding, you know, the employment of military as a whole, and kind of remain laser focused on the uh, role of the individual service member that plays throughout their time in service. So I think they'll see that many service members, myself included, um, were given tremendous opportunity, you know, or t- tremendous opportunity for unrivaled leadership right from the start. Um, many of which included decision making with very little information, uh, very short use, so very little time to make decisions in some of the most dangerous and austere environments on the planet. Um, I don't think that you'll see that life experience from lots of other candidates that, that appear to be, you know, at similar demographics or, or similar age groups. So I think that's uh, extremely valuable to find someone that's had that much responsibility at a very young age. And it's, you know, extremely valuable to have someone like that with that decision-making experience and leadership experience within your organization, not just for today, but for 10, 20 years down the road, if you're looking to build and retain your employees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think you've given a lot of examples of, what are some of the things that you or somebody else in service could learn from their time in service that would help them in a career in sales? But is there like one or two top things that you feel like you kind of gleaned from your military service and have been able to translate into a career in sales? Yeah, I would say the biggest thing is that, you know, sales is problem solving. I think that military service members have been solving problems probably throughout their entire career. They're constantly adapting and changing to goals and strategies that are moving targets. So that can be very frustrating, um, you know, when you're making decisions or problem solving kind of in a vacuum. But the reality is that that's how that, that is a story of, uh, you know, my career in the Marine Corps is ever changing objectives. And you're constantly planning around that. So you get used to kind of hitting a moving target. Um, mm-hmm. And also, just like I said, the sales being problem solving kind of, uh, you know, ideology is that if you've ever been in a position where you convince a team of your of peers or a board of superiors that your plan is a viable solution, and you have to get them on board to kind of implement your plan and your solution, then you've already closed the sale. So um, that kind of builds confidence in presenting ideas and get it in front of people to articulate your solution. So, um, you know, chances are if you've done those things, which I think it's pretty much uniform across the board, especially being junior military officer, 
that you probably already have the skills to be successful in a career in sales. You just didn't really look at it in that light. I really like that second example that you gave of kind of the idea of selling an idea or persuading someone. That really is it goes hand in hand with what you'll be doing in sales. I think a lot of people think, well, I've never sold a product before. Um, but that's, like you said, you don't necessarily need to do that. Having the skills to persuade and, you know, get someone on the same page as you, that really is the fundamental and what's actually needed to be successful in sales. Right. And that, I think that comes from the stigma of, of the salespeople that we probably interact with as a consumer on, on a daily basis. But mm-hmm. um, if you can kind of get over the product for selling, and kind of look at the fact that you've probably sold ideas before or sold solutions before, that's that's more complicated selling anyway, and that's kind of a superior sales model. Uh, you know, it, it's problem solving. It's I think people get hung up on the, the fact that you're kind of manipulating behavior for a greater outcome, but the focus should be that it's on a greater outcome for a shared mm-hmm. solution that works better for both of you. And if you're doing yeah. that, then you're making a more, uh, you know, holistic solution or holistic sale as is. Yep, that's a great way of looking at it. Now, is there anything that you wish that you had known when you were transitioning out of the military, whether it was about, um, you know, your future career in sales or even just life outside the military in general? Uh, I don't think there's anything else I wish I would have known. I was glad um, that I did start the process early. So I'd recommend that, you know, the transition process should definitely begin by, I would say, especially if you're interested in the career in sales, reading a number of books on it, see if it piques your interest. Um, I would wholeheartedly recommend partnering with a recruiting firm because they're going to help you compile your resume, highlight your transferable leadership and problem-solving skills, and help you prepare you know, for interviews and get in front of clients and find a fit. Uh, I would stress the importance of lining something up, I would say, prior to EAS or end of active service. I watched many of my colleagues that, uh, that did not. They waited until they got out uh, to start their job searching, and it doesn't always happen immediately. Many of them weren't prepared for you know, the gap in employment and then, therefore, the financial hardship that might have ensued. So uh, I'm glad that I started very early in the process, probably a year and a half out. Uh, not everybody's afforded that much time, of course, but uh, I, I would say that I definitely used my time wisely. I was deployed uh, to Afghanistan. I was getting on the phone with recruiters whenever I could, despite the time difference of eight and a half hours, and uh, and kind of reading through books to kind of get my resume ready by the time I went out. So by the time I came to uh, you know, realize that I, I thought I needed a partnership with a recruiting firm, um, I think that I was more prepared than most at the time. And it's because I started very early. You sound like you are very driven. So I'm not surprised that you've been successful in sales thus far. Yeah, well, it's, uh, you know, like, like I said, it's just, I think a lot of people waited uh, until the end and they didn't prepare for it. Or maybe they thought that uh, it wouldn't be, you know, as lengthy or as difficult. And uh, I think many of them probably wish they would have started at least six months before you get out. Uh, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I don't think that's the transition training available. They usually call it SEPs and TAPs or separations training does a very good job of providing you the, the full picture. Um, are there some career fairs and some conferences that you can go to? Sure. Uh, I don't think there are any hiring conferences where you are going to kind of make that leap from the military and find someone important with you uh, to highlight your skills that you need that you need to kind of take the next step up. I think that many veterans are probably content with transitioning to a similar uh, situation and kind of moving laterally. I think most of them would do well to focus on transitioning up, uh, not just for raising salary, but raising responsibility and really harnessing uh, those skills. I've seen lots of veterans that kind of uh, transitioned and were looking for, you know, well, I got a job doing this so I can kind of 
get some experience in the organization and eventually move up. And I think it's the wrong mentality. I would definitely encourage them to, to highlight their skills and, and set a standard that, you know, just because I didn't work in corporate America for five or 10 years doesn't mean that I lack the uh, prerequisites or the skills required to, to transition up. Mm-hmm. And I like what you said earlier at the beginning of our conversation in terms of the fact that you decided to take a gamble on yourself. And I think everyone's situation is different. And some people have, you know, a family that's depending on that. They, and they not to say that you don't, but like maybe they really truly that's the best decision for them is to make more of a lateral move at the time. But I think like you said, if you're willing to take a gamble on yourself, especially based on your past history of success and you kind of know what you're getting into, then that's the ideal situation. Yeah, I think that many people view that as a risk. I would view it as a, as a calculated risk. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe I wasn't married with kids and didn't have as much to, um, you know, necessarily gamble on. I was just gambling myself. But I think a lot of veterans would do well to kind of take that calculated risk and bet on themselves. Um, you know, to make that move. And I would say also as a caveat to really know where you want to go geographically, which is really important in transition as well. Uh, if you look at it from a broader perspective, the more flexible you are from a geographic standpoint, it, it's going to definitely open more doors, not just in the short term, but also for promotions in the future and uh, and where you might be placed. Uh, personally, I wasn't that flexible. I was just really looking in the New York tri-state area. I had moved around for almost 10 years and uh, I was looking to move kind of back home and be in the area. So, I would mm-hmm. uh, I would probably advise someone in my position three years ago to really or uh, you know, to really weigh those options and, and yeah. kind of see what's important to them with where they want to go. It's almost I we've had uh, someone on the show before that kind of talked about almost creating like an inventory of things that are the most important to you. And obviously there are going to be some things that you're willing to flex on and some things that are really must have. So it's kind of trying to find where all of those overlap is how can I find something that maybe you're willing to flex on location, but you're not willing to flex on the industry or, you know, whatever the case may be. But it sounds like you were, while you wanted to end up in the New York tri-state area, you were still pretty flexible and um, open-minded in terms of your career options. So I think you most likely aren't going to be flexible on everything, but it's kind of just finding out what is most important to you. What are some of the must-haves? Right. Yeah, I would definitely agree. Uh, you need to prioritize those, uh, prioritize those, and, and know before you start getting in front of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a prospective company, so that you really have your your goals in order, and it kind of speaks to the, you know, the organization, the preparation that it takes before you get to yeah. that point. Yeah, definitely. So you've mentioned a couple of times books um, that you read in preparation for a career in sales. Are there any that you would recommend? Uh, definitely, I'd recommend the Challenger Sale. I would recommend. Uh, a series of books by uh, Neil Rackman, Spin Selling in particular, was pretty helpful, articulating the difference between uh, smaller sales and product-first selling and larger sales and more complicated selling. Um, Profit Heroes, I thought was another good one. Um, and then lately, I've been reading a ton of books on behavioral economics to kind of um, to learn more about how people behave and how that can be applied to, to sales. So that's really going to be Richard Thaler. And uh, a lot of that research that he did was awarded a Nobel Prize in economics, behavioral economics in particular. Uh, so I thought it was very helpful. And then um, what else? Specifically for transitioning veterans, uh, I thought PCS Corporate America was a great read. That's certainly um, you know biased towards one recruiting firm, but I think certainly <laughs> it articulates the uh, you know the reasoning as to why you need to work with a recruiting firm, not necessarily one over the other. 
but I think that it definitely paint the picture as to how that would help you uh, with your transition. And I find that information mm-hmm. very valuable. Awesome. Well, thank you. That's very helpful. I know we've got a reading list where we've compiled lots of books for transitioning veterans, um, depending on, you know, just basic transition advice, like interviewing, things like that, but also specific to industry. So I'll have to check out our list and make sure that we have some of your recommendations on there. Um, So do you have any other thoughts or advice for transitioning service members? I think that's it. I think I've kind of, uh, you know, I've given my my opinion probably more than you asked for in, uh, you know, a number of those topics. And um, just on your point with the reading list as well, I think that, uh, that many of those books, I think, probably came from if not Orion's reading list, I believe it came from uh, Brian Henry's webinar as well. So that's probably yeah. where I started. And then, uh, as you can imagine, a lot of those books will lead to the same author, and you kind of uh, dive deeper and deeper. And if that's a reference point in an interview, at the very least, it shows you've done your homework and, and prepared a little bit to, um, you know, to kind of uh, articulate why you're a fit for that company. Yeah, definitely. Well, Mike, thank you so much for the conversation today. It sounds like you've got an exciting career path ahead of you. So I'm excited to um, be on the lookout for what things you have coming up next. And maybe we can have you back on the show to talk about what's new and great in your life here in the future. Fantastic. Yep. I'd be, I'd be happy to do it. And thanks for having me today. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud so that you never miss an episode. We'd love to hear from you, so if you have any feedback, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Our goal is to help all military job seekers through their transition and beyond, so make sure you share our show with your friends. See you next time.